is everybody doing? Great to be here with you today. Thank you so much for coming out because I realise it is a beautiful day out there, isn't it? And some of you were torn away from the beaches, from your barbecues, from football matches, and you're here tonight. And that's awesome because that means, that, you know, these, you're the real Christians here. You are the faithful remnant of Aaron Community Church. You are the ones that God is going to use powerfully. So, and everybody else, well... Enough said about them. So there are bits of the Bible that you know I, I absolutely love, like like all of it, really. But this one today, this this particular chapter today that we're looking at is just amazing. Um, so if you have your Bibles, then open them to um, the Gospel of Mark, chapter nine. If you have them on a phone, that's absolutely fine. If you have them on an iPhone, even better. Feel the anointing rise in the room when Apple Macintosh is mentioned. If you don't have any of those things, don't worry, because it will appear for your viewing pleasure up here on the Sky Bible. So starting in verse 2, it says this. After six days, Jesus, remember six days, six days, remember that. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a, a high mountain where they were all alone. I love it when sometimes you hear people, they talk about like James and Peter and John and they talk about them like as if they're Jesus's elite like they were kind of Jesus's central crew they were like the in crowd of Jesus's crew right but from what I've read of these guys right they were not picked because of their ability in fact none of the disciples were picked because of their ability they were all very dysfunctional which gives you and I hope they didn't weren't the brightest sparks really and particularly James and John on one occasion James and John right they're so annoyed with a group of people from one village that they say Jesus we're going to call down fire on these people right I mean that's not good loving disciple material Peter I mean Peter was rude Peter was obnoxious. Peter was, he thought before he spoke. He was, Peter was violent. I mean, you know, you, you, don't, you don't cut people's ears off if you've had a normal upbringing, okay? These people were not likely people. So I actually think that the reason Jesus took Peter, James and John was because he couldn't trust them to be there with the rest of the guys. They, I mean, we, they probably would have tried to have staged a coup and taken over. So he takes these guys up with him. And it says, there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. He's like, it's a good job we're here, Jesus. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because he was so frightened. Are you, are you like me? Like, you know, when I get nervous, I, I just talk a lot of stuff and I just talk a lot of... My mom's laughing because she, is, she has seen some of my amazing bloopers that I've managed to say over the years. Carolina warns me over and over again to think before I speak. But uh, I'll never forget one time in Texas, so I was with Rich... And we both wandered up to a lady and I happened to say before thinking, oh, how many months pregnant are you? To which she responded, I'm not pregnant. And that was, a, that was even one of my finest moments. There was one time in Colombia and we were at one of our friend's houses and we, we were looking around at different pictures and he was showing me some of the pictures of his family. And I went up to one picture and I said, who's that guy there? And he said to me, that's my mum. I know. That was a long day. 
I can tell you, right? So it's a, you know, Peter, he, he speaks before thinking about what he's about to say. So then a cloud appeared and covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Jump to verse 14. This is what happens when they come down from the mountain. It says, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. I, I, I wonder if we still have that kind of response to when Jesus shows up and when Jesus is on the scene. I wonder if we are still filled with awe and wonder and still want to run towards him because that's what's going on right here. And it says, what, what are you arguing about with them? He asked. And a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Jesus is getting a bit annoyed with them. He doesn't get annoyed with Christians nowadays, but in this time and in this age, they could be, they could kind of whinge a little bit. I know this doesn't happen in our community church. I know this never happens with any of us. We never complain about anything, but right here, they are complaining and Jesus is getting riled by it. And it says, so... So Jesus says, bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. You know, I just, it's just as, a, as an aside here. Whatever you might be facing right now, whatever might be going on in your life right now, whatever is intimidating you, whatever is worrying you, whatever mess you are experiencing in the valley right now, you need to know something. When Jesus shows up, He is not intimidated by your dysfunction. He is not intimidated by the mess that we are suffering in the valley. In fact, when Jesus shows up, the very thing that has been bothering this guy all of his life suddenly comes up to the forefront. Because why? Because it is way more scared of him than he could ever be of it. And I want you to know tonight, whatever's going on in your life right now, it is way more scared of the presence and the power and the majesty and the might and the wonder of our King, of our Jesus, than anything could ever stand up to Him. He is bigger. He is greater. He is over anything that you might be facing right now. And if you believe that, say Amen. So, yeah, you can get excited about that. That's cool. So, it goes on and it, and and. It says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus responds, he says, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, and I love the way he responds because this is how I feel so often. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You death and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood 
up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciple asked him privately, why couldn't we drive the Spirit out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Title of the message I just want to share with you tonight in the next few minutes that we've got is if you want victory in the valley, you have to meet him in the mountain. If you want victory in your valley, you've got to meet with him in the mountain. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word, the entrance of your word brings light, that he has the ability to transform us from the inside out. God, we just ask you that you would speak to us over these next few minutes, that you would bring revelation. We don't just want information. We don't just want to leave there having had a nice little gathering together, a nicey nice time where we sung our songs, where we've heard some stuff and we just carry on exactly the same. Lord, when you show up, things change. When you show up, the atmosphere becomes electric. When you show up, Lord God, we, we are never the same again. So we just say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Hijack this time to whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I love this. I love this story. The way that this whole chapter runs and the reason that I felt like I just needed to share that process is because what we often see is that Jesus will either teach something and then he will demonstrate it some way or vice versa. He will demonstrate something of the kingdom and then he will teach to back up what he has just demonstrated. Now, at the end of Mark chapter 8 and going into the beginning of Mark 9, Jesus has been talking about the fact that he is about to be led to Calvary. He's about to die. It's going to be ugly. Things are going to get very dark. And he is telling this to his disciples so that he can prepare them. But whilst he talks about all of that, he also talks about the fact that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. It's not just about words. It's not just about wisdom. It's a kingdom of power. And he says that the generation that he's speaking to will not pass away until they see that power on display. And so here we find him. And the Bible makes a clear point of saying that it was six days after this, that he takes some of his disciples into an experience to back up what he has just said to them. So he takes them up into this experience. And it's really interesting when you look at the the Gospel of Mark, because most of the time, Mark, he doesn't really go into any details. Usually he's very quick to share something. He's not very verbose about it. He'll say this happened and then this happened and then suddenly and then immediately and then this happened. He doesn't usually pick many details. And so when he does pick a detail, it's always a good idea to kind of think, well, why why are you making a big deal about saying that it was six days, uh, Mark? You know, why, why? Why do we care about that? And I was wondering about that until I realised that that actually there was another figure in the Scriptures who went up a mountain after six days. Moses waited when the presence of God came on Mount Sinai and the cloud came down there. The Bible says that the cloud was there for six days and then God spoke to him out of the cloud and said to Moses, come up here. I want to show you something. I want to tell you something. And here we find Jesus and He takes His disciples into an experience. He calls them up higher He calls them away from the crowd because how many of you know sometimes God has to lessen our crowd. He has to lessen the distraction. He has to lessen our comfort zone and everything that we lean on so that He can speak to us. He says to, you know, the Spirit says to the uh, disciple John in the book of Revelation, John sees a door in heaven open and the Spirit says, come up and let me show you what I am about to do. 
And so Jesus takes his disciples higher into this experience that reflects an experience that Moses had. Now, when Moses went into his experience on the mountain, what we find is that Moses was given the Ten Commandments. He was given the law. And Moses then comes down from his experience in the mountains and he finds a generation of Israelites who have entered into idolatry. Basically, because they don't want to wait anymore, they have created a golden calf and now they're bowing down to this calf. And so he finds a generation in unbelief and in anger and in fury, Moses breaks the tablets on the ground and he goes about the camp killing everybody who has disobeyed God. I know this is heavy stuff, right? For a Sunday night, this is definitely PG-12 rated stuff, but this is what happens. This is what the Bible says actually happened. And now, Now, fast forward to this setting, over 2,000 years later, we have a new type of Moses and he's gone up the mountain and he has had an experience with his father in heaven. But now this time, when this new Moses goes down the mountain, he also will go down and he also will find a generation of people in unbelief and also find disciples who are not able to do what he has been empowering them to do. But this Jesus, this Saviour does not come down and come down with anger and fury. No, He comes with love and with grace and with mercy and He comes and He brings healing and He brings wholeness and He brings restoration. I don't know about you, but I am really glad that we serve a Saviour who didn't just stay in His lofty mountain experience of heaven, but He saw the mess in my valley. He saw the mess in what was going on in my life and He came down in the midst of my unbelief in the midst of my discomfort and came and brought life and healing and wholeness. That's good news, people. That is really, really good news. So if you put yourself in the position of this of this father, so on the mountaintop, the presence of God is revealed in this awesome way. And the voice of God says, this is my beloved son, hear him. And yet here in the valley, there is another father and he is coming to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, here is my beloved son, heal him, heal him. Now there may be some of you here today and you might feel like you are in the position of that father down in the valley. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Because he says to Jesus, he says, "Um, I brought my boy to you and your disciples couldn't do anything. But the reality is he'd never brought the boy to Jesus. At that point, he'd only brought the boy to the things that were peripheral to Jesus. He'd only brought the boy to Jesus' disciples. And isn't it true that sometimes we claim to have brought something to God? We claim to have brought it to Jesus when the reality is that all we've really done is brought it to church. We claim to say that we've prayed about something when the reality is that all we've done is worried about it out loud, right? Yeah? And that's what they've done. And a whole different thing happened when they really brought the issue to Jesus. Victory in the valley happened that day because there had been a meeting that had taken place on the mountaintop. 
And so I cannot stress enough how important it is for us to have encounters with the living God. How important it is for us to share face time with Him. You know, the Bible is really, really clear that we become what we behold. They've done studies saying that when a baby looks at the face of its parents and when you pull those funny faces at your baby and when you laugh and when you coo and when you do those things, essentially what is happening is the baby is learning how to reflect those emotions back at you. And something happens when we look full into the face of Jesus, where in fact, Paul talks about it in the uh, letters to the Corinthians. He says that when we behold His glory, we are transformed from glory to glory, that we become what we behold. We begin to look more like Him. We become to begin to act more like Him. We essentially just become more and more like Jesus. And make no doubt about it, church. The reason that we are here tonight, the reason that we gather together is not just so that we can pat each other on the back, so that we can love each other, so we can sing our songs and so that we can go home. Great though, all those things are. The reason that we are here tonight is so that we can look, fall in the face of Jesus, so we can begin to look, to live and to love more like like Him. That is why we are here today. That is why Aaron Community Church exists. That's what we are all about, right? And so we have this moment where the Scriptures say that Jesus is transfigured. It's a really interesting word, right? Because that word means to be changed from the inside out. When we try and change things, I don't know about you, this is just being honest about me, but when I try to change something, I generally try to do it by looking at external things around me to change an internal problem. So I'm feeling a bit sad. So I'm going to do a bit of retail therapy, right? And I'm going to buy myself some new clothes because well, it's just going to make me feel better. Or I'm going to eat some more carbs because it's, you know, it's just going to make me feel better if I do that. And then you know, when we really get into a desperate situation, we begin to change external things that have a, an incredible detrimental knock-on effect to our lives. And so people, whilst they're, they're empty on the inside and, and they'll end up leaving their family or leaving their husband or leaving their wife. Why? Because they think that changing that external stuff is going to heal something in here. But the reality is that it never works. We need transformation to come from here, from the inside out. And that's what this word means. It's the word metamorphosis in, um, metamorphosis in Greek. And it's, as Kat very rightly said earlier, it is that it's what takes a fuzzy little caterpillar and turns it into a beautiful, graceful butterfly. I mean, there is nothing in a caterpillar when you see it wiggling on a leaf that would ever make you think that it should be this beautiful, graceful, flying creature, right? It just looks like a silly little strange thing. And that's what people probably think when they look at me. But God intends for me to be a butterfly, right? And the problem is, is that Christians, sometimes we don't really become these butterflies. Has anybody ever seen a bug's life? Right? Anybody remember a bug's life? Like the little, the little caterpillar on a bug's life. And right at the end, he breaks out of the cocoon and he says, I'm a beautiful butterfly. And but he basically looks exactly the same with these tiny wings. And these tiny wings can't really get him off the ground. And so often I think we look around the church and we're a little bit like that caterpillar. When God's actually saying, no, you were created to fly. I want to give you aerial vision. I want to take you to new heights. I I've got great and amazing things for you. But to do that, you've got to break out of the cocoon and let that transformation happen from in here to come out. It says in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world. 
but be transformed, be metamorphosized, be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. And that means much, much more than thinking happy thoughts. That means much, much more than just being positive. That means allowing God to so saturate your inner being that you begin to think the way that he thinks. You begin to see the way that he sees. And that only happens when we go up the mountain. It only happens when we step into that place. And you know, your mountain could be anywhere. You know, sometimes my mountain is... um, Sometimes my mountain is when I'm driving in my car. In fact, last week I had the opportunity to speak at a church in, uh, near Nottingham. And on the way up there, I was just praying a bit about what I felt God wanted me to share. And I felt the presence of God in a really powerful way. Now, you have to be careful when you're on the M1 and the presence of God comes on you because you could cause some serious damage. But um, I felt God speak to me. And, I, and sometimes this happens. I began to sense in my body things that God wanted to do. And I felt this incredible like warmth and tingling in my legs. Um, and I really felt God speak to me about wanting to heal someone there. And I don't know what you're thinking. You're like, Joe, you were driving for a long time. That was just, that was just you. But I, I knew it was God. I just knew that I knew that it was God. And so one of the things that I shared when I was sharing different words was this, this word of knowledge. And I'd had some other words about people breaking free from um, mental illness and different things. And there was one particular lady and she responded to that word. And she said, every single one of those words that you said, that is me. I've been suffering with this and I have had a terrible chronic pain in my upper legs for years for as long as I can remember she said for as long as I can remember I've had this pain in my legs and I said well there's no reason why God would have shown me that if he wasn't fully intending to do something right now and we prayed for her the presence of God hit her she got absolutely rocked she was laughing her head off which she hadn't done for years and years and years the joy of the Lord came upon her but even greater than all of that God instantly healed her legs and she hasn't had any pain or any problems since why because there's victory in the valley when we meet with him on the mountaintop when we meet with him in that place amazing things will happen so my time is up so let's stand to our feet um I wonder if the band could come up now I realize that in a room like this we are in all kinds of different stages in our walk in our relationship with God in what is going on and some of you here you might feel absolutely 100% like you know that you're on the mountaintop. You might feel like, you know what? I feel closer to Jesus than I've ever done. This is awesome. This is amazing. And you might feel a bit like Peter felt in that moment. And Peter says, I just want to build a tent. I just want to stay here. When you're in the presence of God, sometimes you just don't want to go anywhere else. I understand when they talk about us worshipping God nonstop in heaven because of those moments when I've been in God's presence. You just think, "I I, I could die right now. This is so awesome. But you were not destined to stay on the mountaintop. Because whilst transfiguration can happen to you on the mountaintop, transformation will only happen through you when you go down into the valley. Transformation will only happen through you when you step back into those messy situations. And that might be you today. And the challenge to you might be, do you know what? I've got to get back in the valley. I've got to get back. There are, there are people that need Jesus. There are people that are dying. There are people that are struggling. There are people that are lost and are hurting and who are broken and they need Jesus. 
But you might be here and you might feel like you're down in that valley. And what, what God wants to do with you today is to take you up higher. You might feel like you're disappointed. But I want to tell you, do you know what? That valley that was right by the mountain is actually known as the lowest point on earth. Around the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake on earth, the lowest point on earth. And why is that important? You might be thinking, Joe. Well, I think it is important because so often... So often God chooses and reserves His greatest work that He wants to do in the lowest points of our lives. So often God reserves the the, the edge of your blessing is so often right on the edge of your greatest frustration. So if you're here tonight and you're feeling frustrated and you're feeling broken and you're feeling like you're in a valley and you're feeling like you can't see any hope, I just want to say lift your eyes up to the mountains because your help does not come from the mountains. Your help comes from Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth, the God who is above the mountains, who is above every absolute everything lift your eyes up let him remove the veil stare full into the face of Jesus and watch what he is about to do through you Lord God we thank you for your presence in this place we thank you Holy Spirit that you are here we thank you Lord God that you are moving amongst us and I pray God that you would come now and you would confirm your word with signs and with wonders following Lord that you would do what only you can do now In Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name, we welcome you into this place, into our hearts, into our situation. Lord, sometimes we feel like that man and we're like, God, if you can, and you're responding and you're saying, you're saying all things are possible. Everything is possible to he who believes. And so God, we just want to say right here, in spite of our unbelief, in spite of our confusion, in spite of everything, we say, God, we choose to believe. And we say, would you come now with your presence and would you break out in this place? In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Come on if you believe it. Come on if you believe it. In Jesus' Name. Let's give Him a shout of praise. And let's connect with Him with these words on the screen. Let's connect our hearts with Him. And let's see transformation come tonight. God bless you.